0: Thanks for tuning in to High Point Assembly's podcast where you're going to hear a life-giving message that we hope will encourage you no matter where you are in your walk with Christ. Check out our website at highpointassembly.org for more podcasts, information, and how to join us live in person or online every Sunday. We hope this message blesses you wherever you may be listening from. And remember, no matter where you are, to live, which is what keeps us spiritually strong and also what brings about God's blessings in our life. And I think that we would all have to agree that we must be spiritually strong now more than ever before because we're living in a world that is weaker than I have ever seen it. And speaking of God's blessings, we've got to understand that the beauty of God's blessings are not predicated or affected by the economy or any of the craziness that is going on in our world. No, His blessings continue to flow to us and through us through all circumstances of life and at all times. Last week, we looked at Psalm chapter 1 where the psalmist used some very vivid imagery to show us the results of two different paths of life. He said, your life could be like a tree planted by by streams of water, yielding fruit in its season whose leaves never wither, and whatever you do prospers, or your life could end up like worthless chaff, useless stuff that gets blown away by the wind. And the psalmist challenged every one of us last week. He said, it is you that makes that decision. It is you that makes that call. Um, You must decide what path you want your life to take. And how if you meditate on God's Word, and if you absorb it and, and you apply it to your daily life, your life will become like that tree. But if you ignore God's wisdom and you go your own way or you simply drift, in the culture in which we live eventually, your life is going to become like chaff. It's as simple as that. Well, today we're going to look at Psalm chapter 112. In fact, you can go ahead and work your way there in your Bible, 112th chapter of Psalm. Uh, Psalm 112 is what is referred to as a wisdom psalm. And just like last week, the scripture we're going to read contrasts two different uh, ways of life. It shows the awesome benefits and blessings that come when you choose God's path of life, as well as the terrible consequences if you choose to go in another direction. So I want to read together with you Psalm 112. We'll be reading verses one through 10. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land, The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away the longings of the wicked will come to nothing. In Psalm 112, just like last week, the psalmist provides some vivid imagery, as I said, that contrasts two different ways of life. And and, and as he provides to us this imagery, it becomes obviously that there's a great imbalance between the two. When he shows seven rewards that comes to those that take a certain path, whereby there is just one terrible consequence for those who choose to go down the other path. And some of you may think, but that's not fair. He's stacking the deck a little bit. Well, let me just say this to you. After we unpack this Psalm, then you can decide for yourself who is playing fair. But in verse number one, it tells us how to get on the good path by saying this, blessed are those who fear the the Lord and who find great delight in his commands. So we must first fear the Lord, it says, and secondly, find great delight in His commands, in His Word, in the Word of God, the written Word of God. By doing those two things, the psalmist says that it will launch our life onto a path that will lead to a blessed life of growth and of prosperity. And he doesn't just mean financially here, he means spiritually, he means relationally, he means physically, and in every other way your life can be affected. After reading this, you might say, well, yes, I'd like to be on that path, but what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, to fear God is absolute reverence and awe for Almighty God, the creator of all things. And I particularly like the word in there, awe. Out of curiosity, I'm wondering how many of you have been to Crater Lake in Oregon? Go ahead and raise your hand if you have. It was only a couple years ago we had moved here, and we, Lisa Brooke and I went there to, to, to see this thing, which we were told was magnificent. But, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a lake and a mountain. You know, I wasn't going to be overwhelmed or anything. And I remember as we walked up that crest and we looked over and we saw the scale and the grandeur and the color of that lake. It, it literally took our breath away, didn't it? I think all three of us in unison kind of went, wow. We, we, were, we were awestruck. Well, the psalmist says, if you really understand who God is, you just kind of go, wow, he's so much bigger. He is so much greater. He is so much more awesome than we can ever fathom. It's just, just wow. And, you know, whenever a president of the United States comes into a room, there's always a proclamation made, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States of America. And, and, and then he even has his own song. Hail to the chief. And and people immediately stand to their feet to give reverence and and honor to the president. Well, if I were to announce to you today that that God was walking in here and He's going to walk down these aisles, there would be no applauding. There, There would be no standing. You would fall flat on your face in reverence before Almighty God saying, Wow! How awesome is our God. Every one of us would do that. That is the natural response to being in the presence And the might and the awesomeness and the holiness of Almighty God. And so the Bible reminds us that when you know God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you really never lose sight of His awesomeness, of His power, and of His sovereignty. The Old Testament tells us when the angels see Him, they cover their eyes and they say, holy, 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 And it goes on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, though there's no time in heaven. So really what I'm saying is it goes on and on. The book of Revelation says that when we see him for the first time on the other side, we're going to fall on our knees and we will keep saying, worthy, worthy, worthy. And I'm confident when Jesus' disciples saw him perform a miracle, it reminded them of who he really was. And surely if they didn't speak, it was on their mind that there is no one in heaven and earth quite like you. So to fear the Lord means to hold him in the absolute highest regard possible. It's to say, God, you're awesome. You are holy. You are worthy. You are different. There is none like you in all of heaven and earth. That's why the Bible warns us to never use the Lord's name in vain because if you hold him in the absolute highest regard, you would never ever think of using his name carelessly. In fact, you'd be more apt to just say wow than to say anything else or to use profanity. So the psalmist says, we need to fear the Lord. But then he says, if you're going to really get on that, that good path that he's talking about, you need to find great delight in his commandments. I'm talking about the Word of God, His promises that He lays out for us in the written Word. What does that mean? Well, I'll put it to you as clearly as I know how to put it. It's when you finally come to believe that God is smarter than you are. It takes a while, doesn't it? And there's still times, if we were honest, we default into thinking we're smarter. That's just human nature. It's it's realizing that, that God's knowledge Is vastly superior to yours and that his ways are vastly higher than your ways. And therefore when he lays down a law or gives us direction through his written word, you believe to the bottom of your heart that it is for your good. You understand that it is for your protection and it is something that ought to be followed. And over time you learn to derive great delight in following his commands. So the psalmist says, if you would fear God by holding Him in the highest regard and if you would delight in carrying out His commandments, there's going to be a stream of blessings that come your way. And I'll just read to you again the list of them in verses 2 through 9. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever." they will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor." The psalmist says that all of these amazing blessings are going to flow out of your commitment to fear the Lord and delight in the doing of His Word, His commandments. But then comes the contrast. So what happens to the people who blow off God and His commands and who think that they know better than He knows and forge their own path? Well, one verse characterizes what happens to them. It's in verse 10. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. What is it the wicked see? They will see the outstanding lives of those on God's path, and they will simply say, my life didn't work out for me like it did for them. They'll just get to the end of their life, and they will realize that they blew it, They completely ruined the best possible scenario for their life. Now people who fear God by holding Him to the highest regard and who delight in doing His commands come to understand, as I said earlier, that He is smarter than we are. And we experience all those wonderful blessings that Psalm 112 refers to. Children and family, wealth and riches, peace and prosperity, generosity and kindness respect, and honor. All of these things hover over or literally follow those who fear God and who delight in doing His commands. And those who don't will wind up at the end of their life feeling vexed, and disappointed, and disillusioned. And that really sums up the teaching of this section of Scripture in Psalm 112. But I have an honest question this morning. Do you know of any God-fearing people whose lives seem to be tougher than what Psalm 112 spells out? I do. I know of some very godly people who hold on to God's commandments with all of their might, but their lives aren't going so well right now. And on the other end of the spectrum, I know of people who blow God off, blow off His commands, whose lives seem to be going quite well these days. Their kids are fine. Finances seem to be fine, at least everything on the outside does. Their life seems to be better sometimes than our own. So I think the natural question is, so what's up with that? Well, if there's anything that I have learned in my life, and I know many of you have in yours, is that our days ebb and flow. And our lives are a series of seasons. I've also learned that living in this world means that we will all experience difficulties and challenges at one time or another. I've said that many, many times. There will be seasons of peace and prosperity and there will be periods of time when we face real challenges. So to have this idea that serving the Lord means that your life and your circumstances are always going to be perfect is just bad theology. Let us not forget in the same book of Psalm chapter 1 or 34 19 it tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the second part of that scripture says but the Lord delivers him out of them all. But here's what I believe the psalmist is conveying here. When you fear God And when you delight in keeping His commands, this is what happens. You are ordering your life in a way that that in fact puts you in a position to receive honor and blessing and to live free from fear. Unlike those who totally disregard God's wisdom and choose to live their life on their own. So if you zero in on the subject matter of Psalm 112, it's about faith. It is about right living and it is also about resources and generosity. And if I could edit Psalm 112 down to a brief and concise statement, I would say this, people who follow God full on, I'm not talking about casually, I'm talking about who are deeply committed to God, will experience a wide array of His blessings. And those blessings can include financial blessings. And furthermore, they will be moved by God to share those blessings generously with other people. Because remember this, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And why does uh, it generally work out that way? because for starters, God's Word is filled with solid, doable counsel about how this life should be lived. So if I fear God by holding Him in the highest regard, and if I find delight in following his commands, because I know, again, that he is much smarter than I am, I will automatically start going down the path of blessing. Yes, even financial blessing, simply because my initial decision to fear God and to delight in him put my feet on that path. Let's say you know a guy named Robert. And you decided to buy Robert a Bible. And he starts reading it. And he's starting to try to put into practice what he reads. One day, Robert comes across Ephesians 4.28 that says, Anyone who has been stealing must no longer, steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. So Robert learns that it's God's will for him to have a job and to support himself. So if Robert hasn't been serious about seeking employment, he now realizes, wait a minute, the Bible tells me that I need to find work, I need to get a job. If I fear and delight in following God's commandments, then I'm going to have to find a job. And so he goes out and he seeks and he finds gainful employment. One day he's reading Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And he also comes across Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So as Robert reads about it being God's desire for him to set a high standard of performance and attitude in the workplace, he realizes I've got to do my job as though I'm working for God and not for some man who's been placed over top of me. So therefore, I'm going to be a rock star at work. Not to impress the HR department, but I'm going to work in a way that glorifies my Heavenly Father. And of course, this normally results in raises and promotion rather than demotion or being let go. So Robert is, is, is enjoying his job, and he comes across Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And then he reads Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe, the tithe is 10% of what you earn from the job that you're excelling at, into the storehouse. The storehouse is the church that you are a part of, that there may be food in my house. Test me on this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have enough room for it. So he's thinking, I was under instructions from God, To get a job. This is Robert, back to Robert. So I got busy and I found a job. Then I was instructed to be motivated and glorify God by setting a high standard in the workplace. And I did that and I got paid. Now, Robert is thinking, it seems like God is is pretty smart here, so I'm going to continue to follow his instructions. I'm going to take that first 10% out of my paycheck and I'm going to honor God by giving it to the work of the Lord. I want to make sure that my church has the resources it needs to fulfill its calling and purposes within the community that I live in. And Robert believes, he truly believes what God says test me on this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you'll not have. Have room to contain it. And so he does. Well, then Robert reads 1 Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Robert has a family. He's earning a paycheck, on, and, and he now realizes that this paycheck isn't all about him. He realizes that he can no longer utilize his paycheck on frivolous things that are just about him any longer. He realizes if I'm going to continue down God's path of wisdom for my life, then I've got to support my family faithfully the way that they deserve to be supported. Well, Robert keeps reading, and one day he comes across 1 John three seventeen. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them... How can the love of God be in that person? So Robert is walking to McDonald's one day and he sees a person in need and his heart is moved and he thinks I I can buy this guy breakfast. I mean I've got a job. I've been recognized at work. I give the tithe. God is blessing my life. I'm supporting my family and now I see someone in need. Of course I want to help in some way and he does. And sooner or later Robert's going to read Proverbs 22 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. And then he determines, I'm going to avoid debt like the plague, and I'm going to start living within my means. Robert, who has been freed by the grace of God, doesn't want to be weighed down by the bondage of debt, and he wants to begin to live within his means. And he continues to read, and he comes across Proverbs 21:20: 20, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fool gulps theirs down. So he decides, I'm not going to use up all the rest of my paycheck. I'm going to store up for my future. I'm going to store up for my retirement. I'm going to start an emergency fund. And I'm going to start an inheritance for my children. I refuse to be like the foolish person who uses up everything they earn after the tithe. So he sees wisdom in that. And he creates a financial plan for his life. Then he reads Titus 1.7. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Robert looks at that verse and he says, there's wisdom there. So I am never going to get involved in anything that is dishonest. I'm not going to take any moral shortcuts or do anything illegal while earning my living. That's never, ever going to happen to me. And as Robert gets older, he reads Job 121. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. And then he reads Proverbs 13.22, But a good person leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And he realizes that he can't take any of this stuff with him, that he should make a plan to bless his children, and his children's children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, or bless some great cause. So our friend Robert gets to the end of his life, and he's followed God in everything. He got a job, he did very well at it because he worked hard for God. He worked hard with integrity. He honored God by giving the tithe of the first fruits that he earned his whole life. He supported his family well. He never got involved in dishonest gain. He blessed his family with an inheritance, and he reflects on his life while he's reading 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And Robert realizes, that's my life. I lived my life in a way, and I had a truly blessed life because of it. The whole thing turned out really well. I was indeed a blessed man. And my point for going through all of that with you with a fictitious name of a man named Robert is to say this. When Psalm one hundred twelve three says, Wealth and riches come into a person's life if they fear the Lord and if they delight in his commandments. This is not like what some TV evangelist would say when he says, God tells me that if you send hundred dollars to my TV ministry, God's going to multiply that 20 times for you. That is not at all what this scripture is saying here. The writer of Psalm 112 makes it very clear that if you fear and honor God, as you faithfully follow his teachings from his written word, something happens in the spiritual realm. You simply put yourself on a path that will launch to a much greater outcome, a brighter tomorrow, higher levels of peace, and greater levels of prosperity. Do you remember last week's scripture? You become like a tree planted by streams of water that produces fruit in its season and whose leaves do not wither and everything you do prospers. All of this results in greater levels of generosity than if you took that other path. Because God's ways lead to blessing, and God's ways are always smarter than our own. It's just the way that life with Jesus unfolds, when you do things God's way. Now there's something at the end of Psalm 112 and verse 9 that I want to point out to you. After all of these blessings are laid out for those who fear the Lord and delight in his word, the psalmist ends up by saying what the big payoff is going to be when he writes this, their horn will be lifted high in honor. Now there's a lot of different interpretations of what that scripture means and probably all of them are true, but some scholars believe that this verse has to do with the helmet that soldiers wore in ancient days. In those days, just like today, when soldiers would go out into battle, they would wear helmets for protection. And in a particular era, there were armies who helmets had a kind of a metal strip that came down the side, protected the side of their head, their cheek, and and their ears, and their face. And so after warriors fought a battle, if they were victorious, they would come back into their village parade style while their sons and their daughters and their wives and friends and villagers would be waiting for them and cheering them on. But before they entered into the city gates, they would take those metal strips and they would flip them upward and they would stand up high over their head. And it looked like a horn or something coming out of their head. And then the soldiers would walk around, and the villagers and everybody would praise them. They would pat them on the back, congratulating them for a victory. It was a sign of victory when you raised those horns up on your helmet. And I believe what the psalmist is saying here is simple. If you fear God, by holding him in the highest regard. And if you delight in following his commands, even the financial ones, because you know he's much smarter, there's a kind of a victory parade that is in store for us. There will come a day when God will flip up that commemorative horn, not literally, as a way of saying, you won the victory. And it was a victory over greed, and it was a victory over covetousness, and a victory over consumerism. And you will be commended. And God himself, will be the audience. He'll say, well done, what a victory. You've lived in a consumer crazed world and yet you came home with the horn lifted high as a victor over all this stuff. And what a day that will be. Now contrast that picture with how the psalmist describes the people that are following the other path. For the wicked, At the end of their life, they will realize they got sucked into the values of the world. They will see all the victory celebrations going on by those who honored God. Verse 10 says, the wicked will see and be vexed. In other words, they will be heartsick that they didn't get it right. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. We've all gnashed our teeth before. It's the ultimate expression of regret, when you realize, I blew it. I messed up. And the Bible says some people will get to the end of their lives, and they will realize that they miss God's whole plan of blessing, and resources, and generosity, and security, and forgiveness for their life. And they'll look at how the other people did it, and they'll be vexed, and they will gnash their teeth. What a contrast, a victory parade, with commendations flowing from God Almighty, or people standing off to the side, gnashing their teeth, knowing that they missed it. Scott, will you come forward and help me to close this down? I want to close today by talking from my heart. I want you to, first of all, know that as your pastor, I love all of you. God has given me, and I don't know uh, not that I didn't love the people of the church that I came from but I think there's something different about being a senior pastor than an associate pastor but God has given me and my family a great love for this church and those within it. I would have never accepted the opportunity to come here and be your pastor if I didn't want absolutely the best for you and your family your children, your grandchildren your great-grandchildren in some cases your great-great-grandchildren. My passionate desire has always been that you would all follow God full on, not partially, completely sold out to Him, obeying Him in everything, being trees instead of chaff, worshipers of God instead of self-worshippers, so that someday everyone who calls High Point their home, God would lift up the horn on your helmet. He would raise it high, and He would say, you're a victor. You were victorious over this terrible, insane values of the world in which you lived but because I love you I, I want to do so, I want to ask you to do some business with the Lord this morning because if you really want to see your horn lifted high one day if you want to see the full measure of blessing of God and your life the path to that kind of a blessed life only comes first through repentance and secondly and equally as importantly is obedience Repentance is about doing about faith. It's knowing you're going one direction in life down that wrong path. Jesus seizes your heart. You ask him to be Lord of your life and now you go in a completely different direction. You go in the direction of the way of God's word. While obedience is fearing the Lord enough to not just find great delight in his commands, but literally applying them to the way you live your daily life. So rather than me preach anymore, I want to simply ask you all, if you just bow your heads in this place, I don't want you looking around. I want to ask you some questions. This is just between you and God. That's why I don't want you looking around. I don't want you being distracted. First question, do you really fear God? Is He first in your life? Do you really think that his ways are smarter than your ways and his ways are the best ways for your life? Do you really believe that? Can you say, yes I believe that. Yes in my spirit I fear and love the Lord. He is awesome and I believe that his ways are better than mine. Second question, if you work, if you have a job, are you being diligent? Are you in the top percentage of people who diligently work in your organization? Do people notice the quality of your work and say she's an awesome worker or he's an amazing worker? It's almost like they're on a mission from God at work. Is that you? Does that describe you? It should. Third question, when you get paid, do you thank God and then you take the first fruits? the tithe out of that paycheck and honor God with it first? And do you do it joyfully because he helped you to find that job and everything in the world belongs to him anyway? Do you do this? Do you do this whenever you get paid? Do you fear God and delight in his commands enough to live within your means? Do you avoid destructive debt like the plague? Do you cultivate good stewardship so that you can set aside a portion of your earnings for retirement or for later on in life? Are you following God full on in these ways? Well, if you are, the psalmist says good is going to come your way. And someday there's going to be a little ceremony and God, when he sees you, will say you were victorious over greed and over fear and over distrust and over all the craziness of this world. He will lift your horn on high and he will celebrate you and he will commend you. Or if you choose not to live life his way, you'll stand off to the side and you will have the greatest sense of regret that you'll ever experience. And my prayer is that everybody in the High Point family will choose to fear and love God and delight enough in his commandments to be obedient to them. And someday your horn will be lifted high. While your heads are bowed, I want to pray for you. And while I'm praying, I do not know who in this place or who's watching online does or does not know Jesus personally. If you aren't living your life following his plan, you can begin that relationship today. That's the repentance part. It's called salvation. It's what Jesus offers you because of what he accomplished on the cross of Calvary. It is forgiveness of sins, a fresh start, eternity in the presence of Almighty God and the Bible says in order to receive salvation you must believe and you must confess you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God that he is the only way to salvation you ask him to forgive you of your sins you explain that you believe in him you confess your sin that's the confession part you just speak those words And He will forgive you. The Bible says He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you will be given a fresh start. And if you've already received salvation, I want to pray that you will always follow God's path and abide by the truth of the Scriptures, that you would apply them and you would build your life around them. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the obedience part. And by doing so, as I said full on, not partially, You'll begin to live by and receive the blessings spelled out in this scripture found in Psalms today. You are a child of God, and it is about time that every one of us started to live like children of the King and receive the many blessings that he has for doing life his way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the promises of your word. That clearly spell out if we will follow your path there is tremendous blessing that comes with that and Yet, God we get stubborn we let our own human thoughts and desires and passions get in the way of the way you would want us to live and I pray in the name of Jesus Lord that you would remove the that, that disobedience that's nothing more than what it is it is our flesh rising up in us believing that we are better or stronger or more equipped to make decisions about our life than you are, the very one who created us, the very one who knew us while we were being formed in our mother's womb. Forgive us for our disobedience. Lord, I pray that we would follow your path even when it's difficult because not everything you ask us to do is easy. But we know through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can accomplish all things that you ask of us but some of the time we're just not willing to take the chance because of fear. But this scripture says one of the blessings is we don't walk in fear, that you remove fear from us. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our hearts to trust you completely and in all things and to walk in your precepts, to walk in the promises found in your word, so that we can live the blessed life that has been spelled out for us this morning. And for those, Lord, who don't know you, Pray that they would have the courage to pray a simple prayer of confession. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. Forgive me of my sin and become the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit and let me live a life that honors the sacrifice you made for me. Father, pray that they would would say those words to you today and today would become a new day, a day of salvation for them. But whatever part, whatever category we fall into, Lord, we need you. And we need to trust you more now than ever before. And we need to believe in your promises now more than ever before. And I pray that you'll give us the capacity to do that. We start thinking we have the answers, Lord. Draw us back to the cross and help us to look upward. And we will find our answers through you, not through our own concoctions, our own mindset, the things that we come up with, but we will live our lives the way you want us to live. Lord, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for my church family. I thank you for those who are following us online. I ask your blessings upon them today. Open our hearts and our minds to what the word has spoken to us today and help us to apply it to our lives in greater ways than ever before. And I ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. Um, We're going to continue to have two services at 9 and 11 so that we can... Distance everybody like we're supposed to until we're told otherwise, but I wanna thank you for being here. Thank you for honoring our grads. Grads, we love you. Congratulations. We look forward to hearing great things about you in your life ahead. As many of you are going into adulthood now, it's gonna be exciting to see. And uh, so glad that you were rooted in God and that you were rooted in this church family because there's a lot of good people here that I know have touched your lives throughout the years that you've been growing up. But for the rest of you, thank you for being here please let's continue to pray for our community. Let's pray for the brokenness that's going on. Let's especially pray for the families that have been deeply affected through death this weekend. And let's leave here today singing God's praises and being strong and being guided by the Spirit of God. Thank you for being here. We love you, and we will see you next week.